Section 12 of Chimes from a Jester's Bells by Robert J. Burdett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Deborah Lynn. Chimes from a Jester's Bells by Robert J. Burdett. Section 12. Stories and Sketches. 10. The Battle of Ardmore. As I looked out of my prison window that afternoon, I wondered if the sun ever helped to make a lovelier day. All the land, the sky, and the clouds formed a picture framed by the window that was glorified by the painting of June. The lanes were fringed with fragrant hedges, star-eyed daisies peeped out of the fallow fields, daintier wild flowers nestled in the woods, pearls in the beds of velvet moss. Down in the meadows the buttercups gleamed like fallen stars. Over the low hills soft winds whispered to the rustling leaves of other summer days, long years gone by. Deep in the shadowy woods the little brook laughed and sung and babbled to itself like a child at play. Here and there a home roof showed itself among the trees. The distant calls of children came rippling in at my window. The long road wound away, yellow and quiet, until it turned out of sight beyond the little church, with its grey stone walls and white spire, slender and graceful. And over all the picture lay the sense of peace. Not a harsh shadow, not a discordant note. Far away a brooding dove sobbed upon the silence, accenting the hush that lay upon the world with a touch of exquisite sorrow. A strain of song from a meadow-lark, heard once and no more. The mellow whistle of a robin at broken intervals. These, with the laughter of the playing children, blessed the tranquillity of the afternoon. A beautiful world, a world at rest. The benediction of it all came, even into my prison-room. Clear, mellow, distant, a ripple of bugle-notes comes echoing into the quiet. My heart, as though it were a prisoner like myself, leaped and throbbed within the walls of my breast. I hasten to the window and look out with straining eyes. In the fluttering leaves that mask the hillside within my view, I can discern no glitter of bayonets. I listen with eager intensity for the dull rumble of a battery wheeling into position. The notes of the bugle have fallen silent. No movement follows them. And yet it is not quiet enough. The sighing of the wind irritates me. The rustling of the maple under my window frets me. I want the leaves and the brook to keep still, while I listen for a stealthy footstep, the crackling of a twig, the muffled tramp of a column of men stealing through the woods under leafy cover. I listen for the shrill neigh of an excited horse, for a rhythmic clatter of hoof-beats, a sharp carbine-shot ringing out into the stillness. Looking to right and left, far as my narrow window will let me look, I listen, ever since I heard the bugle-call wind through the silence, for sterner music than the robin's song and the murmur of the little brook. March! At last! I can see nothing from this window of mine, this mere picture-frame. The voice comes like an echo of the bugle, a boyish voice softened by the distance. I picture to myself the fair-haired lieutenant who commands the skirmishers. He has blue eyes, I doubt not, and nerves of steel, these blue-eyed soldiers are calm, self-possessed fellows, good shots, undismayed by defeat, not exhilarated by triumph. Ah, those days made men of striplings, 
the schoolboy fought beside the veteran the adjutant of twenty rode with the colonel of forty-five silence again will the line never come in sight where is the enemy where are my comrades halt again the silence now once more the bugle thrills down the unseen line i can hear the hurried tramp of feet the terrible stealthiness of preparation all about me the tide of battle will surge and beat save where i might see it i penned in this cage on such a day and at such a time chained to the workbench while shrilling bugle and clanking sabres call in notes that burn into my heart like words of fire so well do i understand them and i am here march away off the flam 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 of a drum cadencing the step of the moving column nearer it comes and nearer now it sweeps away faints throbs faintly into silence again tramp 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 muffled distinct stepping nearer with every footfall there they come shouts someone i find it hard to breathe in this pent-up excitement i press my hand on my heart and wait for the first shot on the skirmish line surely they must see each other soon ready the click of a musket sharp keen like a threat in cold blood if the robin would only hush his song for a minute i listen for the light clear voice again i wonder if fire how the cheers breaking up in waves of sound drown the volleying crash of musketry again the light voice calls fire again the shrill cheers rise on the air of june and yet again the bugle breaks into them with its musical command i hear the rattling wheels as a battery is hurried forward into position i hear a drum beating with excited haste i hear the confusion of trampling feet rushing here and there someone is calling loudly for the flag once so close to my prison does the angry rush of the melee come i hear a sabre spring from its scabbard with an angry sweep and all this time listening to the fierce orchestra of war i can see only the peaceful setting of the stage the golden sunshine the fluttering leaves the restless shadows tired of play lengthening into the waning afternoon while now and again floating into my window with the shouts and the bugle calls drifts the mellow whistle of the robin the cheering grows fainter as the shadows over meadow and hillside grow longer the robin's vesper music ceases sweet and beautifully imperious the bugle sounds again it is the recall a pall of silence falls upon the clamor of the battle i try my prison door it yields to my hand i hasten down a stairway with swift and silent tread i step through a curtained door and stand upon the field where the waves of contention had dashed and thundered the level rays of the setting sun rest pityingly upon the helpless motionless figures stretched at my feet the evening blessing upon the dead here just before me is the overturned cannon with a shattered wheel stretched across its brazen muzzle is an artillery sergeant his nerveless hand still grasping a broken sabre not far from the gun a group of infantry soldiers lying as they fell in the charge never again will they stand before hostile gun or under friendly flag i look down upon a trooper in brilliant uniform dressed for a royal death 
Headless he lies under the horse that has fallen upon him. A little drummer boy! How came he so far away from the mother's arms that will ache for the pressure of his head? Sleeps by his shattered drum, his broken hand resting white and stiff upon its torn head. Ghastly and horrible, here is a head, the blue cap with its bright pom-pom of white and scarlet still jauntily crowning the pallid brow. Here is a sabre, bent and twisted in the fury and stress of the hand-to-hand -hand struggle over the guns. I walk among the distorted bodies. Crippled horses lie prone on their sides, or with the dumb, uncomplaining patience of their kind, stand wearily waiting for weakness to cast them to the earth. I step carefully, for everywhere are the bodies of soldiers. Here is the flag, just as it dropped from the color sergeant's hand. Here an epaulette glitters in crimson and gold. Here is a belt of a general, brave in its shining bullion. Here, bent and dinted, is the bugle, whose silvery voice called into play all the fierce passions, all the ardor of patriotism, all the ambitious hopes that joined in battle and wrought this ruin. And here, away on the edge of the field, where only the farthest spray from these waves of conflict could reach, my foot had well-nigh fallen upon a child, lying prostrate, half turned on her face. The daintily shod feet peep out of a cloud of silk and lace. The tangled hair of gold, a skein of sunshine, half hides the brow and cheek. There is no sign of life in the beautiful face, and it bears no brand of a cruel blow from the rage of battle. I bend to lift the little figure gently. Deep in the golden hair at the back of the head, I see the cleft in the skull. The child, the dainty little girl, whose curls should know no harsher touch than a kiss, the smile still lingering upon the lips, a lovely sacrifice to the hideous Moloch of war. Robbie! I hear the voice of her little serene highness. Come, dear, gather up your toys. You've left your soldiers scattered over the floor so that Papa can scarcely walk across the room without getting into trouble. And somebody has stepped on poor little Bessie's head. I'm afraid she'll have to go to the hospital. A patter of flying feet, and the blue-eyed commander of both armies, aged six, comes charging into the parlor in undress uniform, snow-white kilts and a zouave cap. He salutes her serenity in a military manner of his own, which leaves her somewhat crushed as to ruffle and disordered as to hair. Then, resolving himself into an ambulance corps, he collects the dead and wounded with both hands, scoops them into a box, piles the ordnance on top of them, examines the dead dolly's head for sawdust, and appears to be surprised to discover that it is lined with a big hole. "'Papa?' he inquires. "'Did you hear the battles this afternoon?' "'Yes, Major, I heard the fighting. You appeared to be hotly pressed on both flanks and strongly assaulted in the centre. "'We fighted awful,' the warrior replied, tossing the artillery into the ambulance, on top of a wounded cavalry colonel and the drummer boy. "'And I fall down on my drum and broke my cannon. But Grandpa can get me another one. Did my noise bother you?' "'No, Major, it helped me.' and the blue eyes of the soldier darted a triumphant laugh into the mother eyes of softest brown as the conqueror called his grown-up bodyguard together for the evening story and the even song that sounded his nightly retreat. 
End of section 12